This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Show her she's not alone and hopefully try to, you know, restore some faith in humanity for her. A convoy for the Surrey teen outside the same school where she was ambushed and beaten. Plus... It's unfortunate that some of these more sort of juvenile taggers are really just running roughshod over a lot of these small businesses. Targeting the taggers, some of the victims of vandalism in Vancouver's Chinatown have a message for culprits and how the city is responding. It's the pets that they help look after the people. And why a downtown Eastside pet outreach program is in need of help itself. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A show of solidarity in Cloverdale this morning for a Surrey teenager who was recently brutally assaulted by other young people. Some of the attack was captured on video and shared on social media. As Grace Key reports, it has compelled many in the community to take a stand against bullying. And a warning, this story does include disturbing images. They're here to show their support for a 15-year-old Surrey girl who was brutally beaten by a group of teenage girls. This is awesome. I'm so happy to help support. The rally was organized by BC Whiskey Wizards, a support group for men. Like so many others, they were appalled by what they saw and wanted to do something to help. This is what we do. I thought, get out, reach out to the guys and, and let's show this girl some love and support and show her she's not alone and hopefully try to, you know, restore some faith and humanity for her. There's people out there that support her that don't don't see what happened to her, right? right? And uh, that's the least we could do. I didn't know. The beating happened more than a week ago and was posted online. After the girl was punched and kicked, she was made to kiss her attacker's shoes. Others stood by and watched. The teenage girl's father is also a member of BC Whiskey Wizards. The young victim and her family were all on hand for the rally. The family's identities are protected under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. The mental part of it is now starting to set in with her. But again, like with everyone coming here, I hope this just shows her that she's important and her community is behind her and no one is going to do this ever again to her or anyone else's child. This shouldn't be happening anymore. It's, it's appalling that, that people stood around and filmed it and celebrated it. It's appalling. It just shouldn't be happening. Her physical wounds may slowly be healing, but it's the psychological trauma that will take longer. And everyone here hopes this will help on her road to recovery. One, two, three, Grace Key, Global News. Vancouver police are investigating after a father and son were allegedly assaulted by two teens Saturday evening. It happened near the Nanaimo SkyTrain station. Police say the two victims were confronted by a group of teens and a verbal exchange ensued. One of the teens deployed bear spray and police also allege racist comments were made after the assault. 
A 13-year-old was arrested for the alleged assault with a weapon and breach of conditions. A 17-year-old was also taken into custody. Police say the teens are well known to them and were in possession of crack cocaine. It's believed the suspects and victims are familiar with one another. Investigators with the police watchdog have been called out to Prince George this weekend after a teen was injured following an interaction with an RCMP officer. This is viewer video of some of the aftermath. Mounties say officers on patrol at the CN Fairgrounds at about 10 o'clock last night were notified by security staff that the male may have been involved in a fight. An officer approached him and indicated that he was being detained. Police say the teen ran away and was hit by a vehicle that was heading south on Ospica Boulevard. He was rushed to hospital with serious injuries. Prince George RCMP are carrying out a concurrent investigation into the initial assault allegation. The Independent Investigations Office is looking into whether his injuries were the result of police actions. A longtime Vancouver Chinatown merchant is turning the tables on the taggers who repeatedly targeted his storefront with what's often seen as racist vandalism. Kristen Robinson has more on his message and the community effort to curb a 300% increase in graffiti in the historic neighborhood. Tommy Wong has been in Chinatown for 30 years. After each shift at Chengshan Trading, the herbal merchant closes up shop and waits for a frustrating cycle to repeat. It's a kind of destroy for me. Yeah, I feel that. And a kind of uh, discriminate. These words, just some of the messages left on his storefront. Did they think about the, the feeling from the other people? You give some respect to another basis. Since he can't roll down graffiti vandalism, Wong decided to write the taggers back. It's a message uh, for someone who could find their own way better than draw a picture everywhere. They have the talent to find their own job, but they didn't. They didn't do it. I can certainly feel his frustration, and I, I appreciate his empathy there, that he's actually sort of suggesting that this isn't the best use of this person's time either. City Councillor Pete Fry says it's an appropriate response to the often racist graffiti in the neighborhood, which police say is escalating. It's worse. Every blank space appears to have graffiti on it, and that's a problem. Maybe the taggers, their intention isn't because they hate crime. Maybe it's their expression. I'll tell you the residents and the seniors, they're seeing it as that. With nothing seemingly off-limits, an iconic Vancouver street artist is urging younger members of the graffiti community to give the six blocks of Chinatown a break. These people here aren't into it, right? They see on their culture and stuff, so just let leave, it, leave them alone. They need some respect. Until a solution is locked up, Wong says he'll keep painting. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An inquest is set to begin tomorrow in New Brunswick into the deadly police-involved shooting of an Indigenous woman who was from B.C. 26-year-old Chantelle Moore was a member of the Tlalaquit First Nation who had moved to Edmonston, New Brunswick, in June of 2020. She was fatally shot by police during a wellness check. 
Investigators with Quebec's police watchdog concluded last year that the shooting occurred after an intoxicated Moore approached an officer with a knife in her hand. Prosecutors concluded the officer shot at her to defend or protect himself and ruled out any criminal charges. A lawyer for the Moore family has said they intend to file a wrongful death lawsuit against the city of Edmonston and the officer who shot her. A coroner's jury will be chosen Monday morning with five days set aside for the inquest. It was predicted, but it's still a shock to motorists to see another record broken when it comes to the price of gas in the Lower Mainland. Those having to fuel up their vehicle this morning in the Vancouver area paying up to $2.34 a litre at the pump. That's a surge of at least six cents just since yesterday. Energy analysts say the war in Ukraine and the easing of the pandemic restrictions have contributed to the volatile prices. Here in B.C., it's now become a point of attack by the opposition B.C. Liberals on the provincial government. And that brings us to the legislature tomorrow when a notable B.C. Liberal will be sworn in as an MLA. Keith Baldry is joining us now. And uh, Keith, Kevin Falcon will be taking his seat in the legislature as the leader of the official opposition. What will his priorities be? Yeah, pretty big day for the BC Liberals here. It all takes place at 1 o'clock in the Hall of Honor in the legislature building, main floor. Uh, he'll be sworn in by the clerk, and then he'll go take a seat in the chamber for the first time since uh, winning the by-election in Vancouver, Quachena. He's got his work cut out for him, no question. The party took a real beating in 2020. Uh, they've lost their way with the public in key areas of particularly Metro Vancouver and the suburbs. But Kevin Falcon is a pretty good communicator. He's an old hand. He's had a number of cabinet portfolios under the Campbell government, so he's certainly familiar with the chamber and, and I expect him to basically give a real shot of energy, a shot in the arm to a caucus and a party that's sort of struggling to find its way since losing that 2017 election. And Keith, while we're on the topic of gas prices, Premier Horgan has been receiving a lot of flack for his comments mm -hmm. on that on Friday. Yeah, no question. Look at Twitter. He's getting pummeled on Twitter, not happy with his comments about basically finding alternatives to driving. Sim similar to comments he made a few months ago, creating some uh, controversy. I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that Kevin Falcon, in one of his first questions in question period tomorrow around 2 o'clock, is going to be to Premier John Horgan reading back those comments he made at a news conference last week. That all takes place around 2 o'clock. We'll be carrying that live, of course, on BC1. And we will be tuned in for your analysis as well. Thanks very much for that, Keith. A Kamloops woman accused of arson following four suspicious fires east and west of the city is due in court for a bail hearing on Monday. On April 29th, a large grass fire broke out east of Kamloops between Monty Creek and Perchard. The next day, a Monty Lake resident saw smoke in the hills and reported a suspicious vehicle on a forestry road. 42-year-old Angela Elise Cornish has since been charged with four counts of arson damaging property for allegedly starting fires in Monty Lake on April 30th and in Lac Lejeune on May 7th, 8th and 11th. Richmond RCMP need your help to find 64-year-old missing man Nadushinan Vase Pushparaj. He's described as a South Asian, 5 foot 5 inches tall, with a slim build and short grey hair. He was last seen walking away from the Canada Line Lansdowne Skytrain station at 10 o'clock the night of Monday, May 9th. He was wearing black pants and a red shirt. Pushparaj is known to visit the Richmond Marina and downtown Vancouver. You're asked to call police if you have any information. And coming up, continued opposition to the war. How those standing in solidarity with Ukraine are making their voices heard in Vancouver this weekend. Plus, 
The program that helps pets living in supportive housing is the one in need of help after most of its supplies burned in a fire. There is still more fallout from last month's deadly fire at the Winters Hotel in Gastown, a program that launched last fall to help provide animal care services for low-income residents and their pets was based out of the now-demolished hotel. Now the campaign is on to restore the program and its funding. Jasmine Bala reports. Meet Princess. A happy four-year-old French bulldog. But not too long ago, she nearly died. She got pregnant, and she was having troubles with having one of the babies. One of them was stuck. A terrifying moment for Bailey, who lives in supportive housing and didn't know if Princess would make it, or if he could afford to pay her vet bills. She's like my child. I would absolutely die for her. I would die for it. And that's when Atira's new pet outreach program stepped in. Lauren called me um, kind of in a panic. She needed immediate vet care. She needed to be hospitalized and have surgery. A cost of more than $4,000, all paid for by the outreach program. They helped us so much that our dog would have died without them. And I'm so happy to have her. The pet outreach program was launched by Atira Women's Resource Society in October. Since then, it's made more than 840 visits to supportive housing residents, helping with everything from emergency vet care to pet supplies. We have all these resources in the community that are there for all of the humans, but we were missing something for the pets. And it's made a world of difference to residents across all of Atira's buildings. People donate to this organization that helps people, you know, like me that are poor and stuff like that, that can't afford these. But funds and supplies are tight for the program. It was originally based out of the Winters Hotel that was gutted by a large fire in April, taking with it all of the program's equipment. My hope is that people will see the really amazing work that we're doing with animals here in Atira Buildings and really want to help contribute. A plea for donations to help the program go on so they can keep making a difference. It's just not looking after the pets. It's the pets that they help look after the people. You know what I mean? Jazzambala, Global News. Well, it might seem a bit hard to believe with the cool spring we've had so far, but municipalities have begun preparing for summer heat. The city of Burnaby showing off its cooling center today. The public was invited to an open house at the Cameron Recreation Complex. It's one of the facilities that will open should the South Coast suffer extreme heat like we did last summer when almost 600 people suffered heat-related deaths in B.C., most of them in their homes. Officials say these air-conditioned cooling centers are an important tool to prevent a repeat. We know that people last year suffered tremendously due to the heat and in particular older individuals who live in their own home and what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach out to people in advance to get them aware of what they can do to seg- sorry, seek refuge from the heat. But we want them to be aware where it is, be comfortable about what a cooling centre is and what they would expect to find at a cooling centre. Burnaby will hold another cooling center open house on May 29th. Legendary Second World War fighter pilot Stocky Edwards of Vancouver Island has passed away. It was just last June that fighter jets from CFB Comox did a flyby to help the man born James Francis Edwards celebrate his 100th birthday. 
Edwards had 19 confirmed aerial victories during the war, making him Canada's highest scoring ace in the Western Desert campaign. Last year, instead of gifts, people were asked to donate to the Stocky Edwards Legacy Trust, a fund for young Canadians pursuing careers in aviation. And still ahead, a community coming together. In this little area that are supposed to be for us, by us, Black-owned, including the supermarket, this was an attack on all of us. Reaction from people in Buffalo, New York, after a supermarket attack, police call a hate crime. And later, Rep Recovery, the league that's wrapping up in B.C. to help those struggling with addictions. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. David Milgard, a man who spent 23 years in prison for a murder he did not commit, has passed away. When he was just 17, Milgard was wrong, wrongfully convicted of the rape and murder of a nursing assistant, Gail Miller. He spent two decades trying to clear his name. In 19... He walked out of prison freed by the Supreme Court of Canada and later exonerated by DNA evidence. Milgard would receive a multi-million dollar settlement from the federal government and go on to be a national advocate for the wrongfully convicted. Milgard died in a Calgary hospital. His cause of death was not released. Milgard was 69 years old. Parts of Buffalo, New York, are scenes of anguish and anger tonight. One day after a man was taken into custody, accused of intentionally gunning down black residents who were shopping for groceries in their local supermarket. As Global Sean O'Shea reports, members of the community want answers as to why they were targeted simply for the color of their skin. A day after a mass shooting, the pain is starting to set in. As residents of East Buffalo gather and grieve. Praying for the 10 who died at a top supermarket on Saturday, gunned down while getting groceries. My 97-year-old father comes to shop here. 18-year-old Peyton Gendron faces first-degree murder charges. It's alleged he drove more than 300 kilometers to the store and carried out a plan to kill laid out in a manifesto. He was wearing body armor when he was arrested after his shooting spree. Why are we so hated? That's what I want to know. This is a predominantly black neighborhood. This is my home. This is called Cold Spring. Everybody know Cold Spring. In Cold Spring, the area's only supermarket, now a major crime scene. In this little area that are supposed to be for us, by us, black owned, including the supermarket, this was an attack on all of us. She has not stood up for Buffalo since she's been in office. The state's black attorney general was shouted down as she spoke to the crowd. And nothing like this has ever happened, so we have a right to show different emotions. We can just be hunted and killed simply because of the way our skin color is for any number of reasons, because they have Skittles, because they were in the grocery store, because they were playing loud music. This is what community looks like. Support came from all over the city. It's not about me, it's not about you, but it's coming together and really bringing support to a community that's hurting. How did you feel when you heard about these people being killed? I was angry, I was mad, that I was hurt. If white people aren't actively anti-racist, it's not gonna change. 11 of 13 people shot in the attack were black. This woman's grandmother was home, not at the store, accidentally. 
or she would have been in there. So she would have been shopping there? Yes. Except she couldn't find her bus schedule. To get the, right. We will hunt back. DeWitt Lee is a dual Canadian-American citizen who twice ran to be mayor of Toronto. He lives here now. Racism picked the wrong city because uh, Buffalo, New York is not going to stand complacent. Buffalo's mayor called for hope. We as a community will rise again stronger than before. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Buffalo, New York. Turning now to the war in Ukraine, the Russian military may appear to be bogged down nearly three months into the invasion, but that doesn't mean the opposition to the war is any less fierce. As Paul Johnson reports, that's also led to growing optimism among local demonstrators. My story is an average story for an average woman uh, in Ukraine. Arriving for Sunday's rally in Vancouver, Lena Boritz told us of the epic journey she made with her son leaving the city of Dnipro and then weeks later arriving in Canada as refugees. Who would have second-guessed that decision? At the beginning, you know, uh, I would say that we were at a loss, really, because it was out of the blue. As Ukrainians and their supporters rally in Vancouver once again, this event takes place against a very different military backdrop. Ukrainians have won the Battle of Kyiv and appear to be winning the battle of their second city, Kharkiv. Russia's invasion is increasingly looking tactically incompetent and may amount to one of the biggest military failures of a major power in decades. Since February 24, until now, I never ever had doubts that Ukraine will win. And the demonstrations appear to be generating more than just moral support. Canada sent Ukraine four of its best artillery pieces a few weeks ago. And Ukrainian supporters in Vancouver who've networked at these rallies have raised money to buy surveillance drones that have been sent to the front. With Russia still trying to make gains in the east, the fight is far from over. But the picture radically different from when they first took to the streets in February. During the last month, yeah, I do believe that we will win. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. A campaign to get a Canada Post stamp to benefit humanitarian efforts in Ukraine is picking up steam with a Vancouver artist offering up one of his works to grace the stamp. Aaron Stevens' Madonna of Sunflowers was inspired by the conflict in Ukraine and he's coordinating with Brian Grant Duff of All Nations Stamp and Coin to get Canada Post to create a stamp that will benefit the victims of the war-torn country. Stevens is offering up the painting to be on the stamp. On Monday, he and Duff will meet with Canada Post representatives about the idea. We need to help the victims, the innocent victims. And so we are doing whatever we can. I'm doing whatever I can with my painting. And I'm hoping that the painting will be made into a stamp to support uh, Doctors Without Borders operating in Ukraine. All the donations will go to that. And so what we're saying is, if you could add a dollar onto the regular postage stamp, and that dollar could go to Doctors Without Borders saving lives in the Ukraine. The painting itself is being auctioned off at the end of the month at the UBC Hatch Gallery to also benefit Doctors Without Borders Canada with a starting bid of $25,000. And coming up, imagine having an amusement park in your backyard. That so fun. <laughs> a father's pilot project to bond with his son is now the talk of their neighborhood. Stay with us. You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
While rain may be a good sign as we head into the fire season, it's becoming a cause for concern along with the warming temperatures in the interior as water levels at some southern interior rivers begin to rise. Global's Victoria Famia has more on a high stream flow advisory issued this weekend. Recent rain and snowmelt is causing rivers and creeks to rise in parts of the interior, prompting the Ministry of Forests to issue a high stream flow advisory for a number of rivers in the region. The River Forecast Centre, who is also a part of the advisory, is monitoring the conditions and will provide updates as needed. The high stream flow advisory means that river levels are rising or expected to rise quickly, but that no major flooding is expected. It will affect south interior rivers between Vernon, Salmon Arm and Falkland, including the Whiteman River, Salmon River and surrounding streams. Up to 20 millimeters of rain is expected to hit areas of the northwest Okanagan and areas around Salmon Arm and Falkland and will likely last through to Monday. Along with the rain, freezing levels could rise to 2,500 metres over the course of the day. The ministry says at this time there is uncertainty over which areas will receive the highest amounts of rainfall. Adjacent areas of the interior, including Shuswap, Okanagan and Nicola Thompson regions, may also experience a higher stream flow in response to rain and snowmelt. The Northwest Side Fire Department has a self-serve sandbag station available for residents to pick up as needed in case of an emergency. The ministry is advising the public to steer clear of fast-flowing rivers and potentially unstable riverbanks during the high stream flow period. Victoria Famia, Global News, Infantry. And with that, we'll bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast. And here in Metro Vancouver, Yvonne, it has been coming down hard in some parts. Yeah, we've had waves of rain. It really starts to pick up right now. This is what it looks like on one of our tower cams. We're trying to look at, uh, uh, sorry, we're just trying to look over downtown there. Temperatures are currently sitting at 12 degrees. We've got periods of rain, but the winds are also a big weather story. They're sustained at 20. We've got gusts right now, just over 40 kilometers per hour. And those winds will continue overnight and in towards our Monday morning. Now, here's a quick snapshot as what what we're seeing on the satellite and radar. There is that wave, heavier pockets right along the west end areas near Richmond, bit of a gap just in between, and then it picks up once again for areas into the Fraser Valley and extending in towards Chilliwack as well. Island is included within that, seeing a few heavier pockets just along the southern regions. And then in behind it, we're actually anticipating a bit of a break on the way, and that'll be towards tomorrow afternoon. So a heads up, we are going to see a much-needed break from the precipitation. But overnight tonight, still seeing that chance for some showers. The rain will taper off. We'll see showers for tomorrow morning morning when we're heading out for work and school and then by the afternoon some breaks a mix of sun and cloud with temperatures getting up to 14 as a daytime high here's what we're anticipating or we're looking at towards the afternoon breaks for most areas across metro vancouver but the shower activity is going to pick up for the southern interior and that extends in towards the southeastern corners as well and the northern half of the province and much of the central interior have got lots of instability that'll be a different weather story first off though i wanted to show you the upper level ridge what we're seeing through the week is cool unsettled that's what we'll begin with. But then as we get in towards the latter half of the week, we've been hoping for a bit of a break on the way. A weak ridge is going to build in across the region. And what we'll see with the temperature starting to bump up closer to the average for this time of the year and drying out even as early as Thursday and likely by our Friday, we'll start to see a nice break that is on the way. Now, the weather picture for the northern half of the province will be unsettled tomorrow. We're actually looking at the chance of showers and the risk of thunderstorms. Areas along the coast will see highs up to 9 degrees. The northeastern corners and extended 
ending and including the central interior, also seeing that risk of a thunderstorm. Much of the southern half for the interior in the early morning hours, it'll be dry. It's towards the afternoon that that chance of showers is going to increase. Temperatures for the interior, though, touch warmer highs, even up to 18 degrees. A clearing on the way for areas near Whistler will be by the afternoon and then all areas along the south coast. Overnight chance of showers in towards the morning hours, breezy at times with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Easing off, though, some breaks, especially as we get in towards the afternoon. We'll hang on to some sunshine on Tuesday, blip in the forecast on Wednesday, and then it looks to rebound for Thursday and Friday so far. Nithi? All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. In Colorado, a longtime pilot is proving he's very creative on the ground while setting parenting expectations sky high. All right, Wes, here we go. At the Brazelton home outside Brighton, the idea of fun is reaching new heights each and every day. No matter how many twists and turns, three-year-old West can't get enough. His dad, Scott, on the other hand, has his limits. We basically go until I get tired, and because uh, he never gets tired of it. This wood and PVC pipe roller coaster is the culmination of months of hard work and ingenuity. At nine and a half feet high and 200 feet long, it was a true father-son project from the start. Uh, when they're three years old, they don't help that much, but they'll help paint or they'll hand you some screws or some tools, and it's just a neat way to bond. It's also a labor of love he's done before, building his first coaster five years ago for his other son, Wyatt. I'd carry it over there, and my dad would put it on, so that was a fun part about it. And it's just so much more fun than a, than a treehouse for a kid because they don't have to use their imagination. They're just having fun the whole time. While Wyatt had a propeller plane, Wes chose something more familiar, the tricolor stripes in Southwest Heart, an ode to the planes his dad flies every day. This is a, a planter. This is a smaller planter. And then our engines are made out of very, very high-tech Pepsi cans. Now West can't get enough. That was so fun. Taking to the skies even more than his dad. When they like it and the light bulb goes on for them, that they have this in their yard. It's a it's a really rewarding feeling. My motto is if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So uh, no regrets. Connor McHugh, CBS News, Brighton, Colorado. Oh my goodness. I don't Mary, think did you have one of those for your kids? No, you know, I packed my uh, kids' lunches for school. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of nice, isn't it? It is, depending on what's in the lunch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also nice, depending on what's coming up in sports. Yeah, well, lots of uh, playoff hockey action. Game six just completed at uh, Langley Event Center. Giants and Kamloops Blazers. Vancouver looking to extend the series to a game seven. So we have highlights of that. And game seven's in the Stanley Cup. Game seven's in the NBA. We love all this sudden death. And there's also a sudden victory. But for some reason in sports, we always like to call it sudden death. <laughs> It's all about the conflict. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Barry. Also ahead on the news hour, a different kind of treatment on the turf. Finding a new way to live. Like, I'm actually enjoying the gifts of recovery, playing soccer. A look at the new soccer league in BC for people struggling with addictions. Well, what's a beer league without the beer? Turns out it can be a powerful and necessary outlet for those who are dealing with addiction and in recovery. Jay Durant has more on the inaugural season of the Rec Recovery Soccer Association in tonight's This is BC. Okay, one, two, okay, three, good. This is hard work with the aim for a healthy lifestyle. If your pass is six, it's six. Next one's seven. There's a brand new soccer league exclusively for anyone battling alcohol and substance abuse. 
Everybody in the league is in recovery, including myself. Try to get everybody one touch. Christopher White helped organize roughly 120 players into eight teams after realizing everyone needed a better option than what was out there. I would go and play on another team that was primarily an adult beer league. And uh, like, and that's great, but that doesn't work for someone who's trying to stay sober. White's been around the game a long time. He hasn't seen anything like this. It's another support group for people experiencing similar struggles. Take any one of these people. Everybody's got a story and everybody's been rock bottom. First it was like, just like alcoholism and then it progressed into like alcohol and like hard drugs. I got influenced into a life of like crime and I got into an addiction. It's open to anybody. Doesn't matter your age, gender or skill level, but there is some talent. We've had next white cap. Uh, we've got ex-university players. They're good players, uh, but no better than me, maybe. <laughs> the post-game celebration is not a party in the parking lot. It's a 12-step recovery meeting by candlelight. Please have someone read who is an addict. Being reminded what it feels like to be cared for, to be loved, and to be supported by a group of amazing people. There's even been talk of a recovery World Cup. Might as well dream big. But for now, everyone here is just happy to have a league of their own. It's somewhere for us to go on a Saturday night. Like, we're not going to bars, and we're not going to, like, which is great if you can, but we can. Okay, I'm telling you, no cheating. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. And Barry's back with the full sports cast after this break. Also ahead, a powerful project. For my kids to be able to come to school and experience this, um, I think it's life-changing. The elementary school performance that culminates 10 weeks of learning with an Indigenous artist. mayors across Metro Vancouver and supporting food banks in our community. From May 1st to 31st, mayors are engaged in a friendly competition between cities to raise the most money per capita with an overall campaign goal of $500,000 to get food to those who need it. Details available online. May is National Physiotherapy Month. Throughout the month, engage with free online interactive resources and hear stories from BC's devoted physiotherapists to learn how they can help you feel your best going into the summer season, no matter what your limitations or goals. Our BC is brought to you in part by the Salvation Army's Transform, an evening of philanthropy to rebuild Vancouver's downtown east side. All right, Barry's here for the full sports cast and not to promote global, but there was some talent at the Vancouver Giants game today. Did you see the there photo was? on Twitter? No. Mark Madriga oh, made Mark an appearance. Madriga. Yes. Well, I guess Mark's kind of talented. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've seen him You're skate. You're the talent in I've sport. seen him skate. He's not the most talented. Oh, jeez. That's my earpiece in there. Thanks very much. Uh, Vancouver Giants had to win again today at Langley Event Center. To keep their magical playoff run going, Giants staved off elimination Friday night in Kamloops and had to beat the Blazers again on home ice to force a Game 7 on Tuesday. Giants 3-2 and two on home ice in these playoffs, but did not get off to a great start. Had a chance on the power play, but it's the Blazers who score shorthanded. Fraser Minton with the steal. That's a nice move to go roof on Jesper Weichmann. one nothing Kamloops, and then a few minutes later, Logan Stankoven, fantastic feed to Luke Toporowski, rips one 
top shelf as well. Blazers jump out 2-0 second. Blazers shoot in, takes a crazy bounce off the glass. Dalen Kiefler eventually knocks it in. A backbreaker for the Giants to give up 3-0 Blazers in control. Third period now 4-0. And it's Toporowski one more time with the one-time blast. 5-0 at that point. It ends 6 to nothing as Kamloops wins in impressive fashion as they advance on to the Western Conference Finals against either Portland or Seattle. Stanley Cup playoffs, Game 7 from Madison Square Garden. And Sidney Crosby in the lineup after missing Game 7, apparently not a concussion. And Delta's Tristan Jari starting in goal. Had not played since mid-April because of a foot injury, so all the pens in for Game 7. But Rangers score first. Mika Zibanejad to Chris Kreider. He had 52 during the regular season. He can snipe it. 1-0 New York. Second period, now 1-1. Jari in fine form. Look at that old-style windmill glove save off Adam Fox. Then on a Penn's power play, Jake Gensel. Look at that. Kicks it up in the air and then bats it in. Close to a high stick. It was reviewed, but it was a good goal. What a play by Gensel, who's got eight in this series. 2-1 Penn's. Rangers tied it, but Penn's regained the lead. Evan Rodriguez shorthanded. All sorts of pressure from behind, but still the wicked backhander to go 3-2 Pittsburgh. But with under six to play, it's Mika Zibanejad. Short side beating Jari 3-3 very late in the third. It looks like they're going to be going to overtime. All right, World Championships. The Coquitlam's Matt Barzell joining Team Canada in Helsinki, Finland. Canada taking on Italy today. Victoria's Dyson Mayo throwing it on the net, tipped in front by Josh Anderson. Mayo's a great story. He's 25 now, spent the last five seasons in the minors, first full NHL season in Arizona this year, and now playing for Team Canada. Then it's Barzell starting a pretty three-way pass play. Thomas Shipbot over to Port Moody's Kent Johnson. Johnson's played for the World Junior Team, the Olympic Team, and now Canada's World Championship Team this year. We're on a lot of Maple Leaf. 4-1 Canada after two. In the third, Dyson Mayo scores as his wrister finds net from the point. Canada wins 7 or 6-1 to go to 2-0. Next up, Slovakia tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. our time. Today was supposed to be the first full day of CFL training camps, but the players have gone on strike. This after the CFL and the CFLPA failed to come to terms on a new collective bargaining agreement. Let's face it, this is not a league that can afford any kind of work stoppage, and it's likely they will come to a settlement soon, but for now... The Lions camp in Kamloops is on hold. NBA playoffs game seven, Bucks and Celtics from Boston. Third quarter, Jason Tatum with a nice play here to lob to Jalen Brown, who somehow goes high off the glass. 61-49, Celtics in front. And then the Celtics pretty much unstoppable from three-point land, especially Grant Williams, who hit seven threes on his way to a career-high 27 points. And more from the Celtics' supporting cast. Peyton Pritchard hit one of his five three-pointers. The Celtics had 22 threes. Milwaukee had just four. Boston rolls 109-81 in Game 7. They'll meet Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals starting Tuesday in South Beach. Another Game 7 in the West. Luka Doncic and the Mavs taking on the Suns. Home teams won every game in this series, but Dallas came out firing. Luka, 12 points, 8 rebounds in the first. Dallas led by 10. In the second, Doncic creates some space, knocks down the long three, and this is not 
a misprint. Look at the score right now in the third. 92 to 50 for Dallas. They're going to move on to take on Golden State in the Western Finals. Blue Jays finishing off their three-game set in Tampa. Alec Manoa, fantastic again, gets Taylor Walls looking at strike three. Still scoreless in the sixth, but later in the inning, the Jays' defense letting their starter down. The usually dependable Matt Chapman at third base throws it away on the grounder. A run scores. Tampa would get three in the inning to take a 3-0 lead. The Jays' offense, meanwhile, slumbering again. Top of the ninth, one on, but Teoscar Hernandez grounds into the rally-killing double play. Jays fall 3-0. They've lost 9 of 12. Their record now just 18-17. and 17. They host the Mariners for three starting tomorrow. Premier League Soccer, first place Man City taking on West Ham. City with a chance to pretty much clinch the title with the win, but West Ham had different ideas. Two big first half goals from Jared Bowen. Fires the left footer to the back of the old onion bag. 2-0 West Ham at the half, but Man City rallied as you'd expect. Now 2-1, Riyad Mahrez free kick into the box. Headed in perfectly, but it's friendly fire. Vladimir Sufal heads it into his own net. 2-2. And then later, Mares with a chance to win it from the penalty spot. But Lucas Fabianski with a fantastic save. It ends 2-2. So Man City lead Liverpool by four points. Liverpool plays Tuesday. If they win it, it'll all come down to final match day next Sunday. Final round of the AT&T. Byron Nelson from Dallas. Hometown boy Jordan Spieth in the hunt. But it's defending champ K.H. Lee of South Korea who makes a run from back in the pack. Second shot on the par 5, 12th from 238. What a shot. Knocks it to four feet. And Lee would make the eagle putt, and he takes the lead. Now to Spieth, also for eagle on the 12th, but his putt, oh, lips out, settles for birdie. 18th hole now, Lee in the clubhouse at 26 under. Spieth has to chip this in for an eagle to force a playoff, but just misses. K.H. Lee defends his title, wins the AT&T Byron Nelson. Spieth finished second a shot back. Surrey's Adam Spenson tied 69th at 10 under. Next week, the PGA Championship, and Tiger Woods will play. He's the defending champ, or defending champ, rather, Phil Mickelson will not play. For sports fans around our province, circa 1980s into the mid-2000s, listening to Dan Russell's sports talk show every night was must-hear radio. You got Dan's opinions, like them or not, and more, and now he's written a book about his experiences hosting the longest-running sports talk show in B.C. history. Jay Janor has the story. Pleasant good evening and welcome to the Wednesday night edition of Sports Talk, Canada's longest-running sports talk show here on CKNW. Sports Talk and Dan Russell was must-listen to radio. For nearly three decades, it was one of the highest-rated radio shows and Russell's voice one of the most popular and trusted on the airwaves. You know, there was a lot to being first, and we, we were first in 1984. There wasn't a format like this in Vancouver. There had been a few tries in the dinner hour, but nobody had come on after games. And so, you know, it just seemed so obvious to me. According to Russell, there were two clear defining moments for sports talk, one of them being the weekly presence of Brian Burke. Uh, 1987, Pat Quinn hires him. I go to the news conference. Uh, I say to Brian, uh, will you come on my show tonight? He says, what's your address? And I said, well, actually, we have a sports talk limo, believe it or not. We'll send a limo to come get you. don't have a limo. Yeah, we have one. So we sent the limo to the Burnaby Villa. He comes on the show, and the phone lines light up because Brian, I mean, what a breath of fresh air. Nobody had ever heard somebody 
especially a management person, speak like that. To move this team takes one phone call. And at the end of the show, I said something to Brian like, wow, that was really terrific. It'd be great if you could come on, you know, kind of right early for us. He said, I'll come on every week. He just right away. He just said, I'll come on every week. We are back on Sports Talk for this Wednesday night. Thanks for being with us. Every- when you host a show five days a week for as long as Dan did, there's a lifetime of memories. Yes, enough material and stories to fill an entire book, which is exactly what Russell has done. A pleasant good evening hit shelves this week and is sure to be a bestseller. The impetus of the book, Jay, really goes back to 1982. Roger Nielsen has a towel. He's waving the white flag. 40 years ago now, when uh, Roger Nielsen waved the white towel, and two days prior to that, Jim Neal had scored in double overtime at Chicago. I was, like a lot of people, uh, so excited after those games. Vancouver's going to hang on. The game is over. And I, I didn't know what to do. I got into my car and I started punching around the radio. And I, there was nothing. There was no post-game reaction. I said, I can't be the only one that wants a post-game show after a big playoff game. And I put it at the back of my mind, and within two years, Sports Talk was born. Awesome stuff. Indeed. What a great look back. All right, we'll be right back with an inspiring elementary school performance. Stay with us. A group of elementary school students in Prince George has completed 10 weeks of learning Indigenous songs and dance with a grand performance this week. Drums, dance, and a final performance for students at Pinewood Elementary after a little over 10 weeks of learning from Candace George. It's really exciting to see um, the growth. The students have grown so much over the nine weeks. It's, it was a nine-week program, but it extended a little bit longer. And, uh, but the growth over that duration has been amazing. Some of these students had said, you know, I've never ever had a drum or held a drum before. Not only was it a big day for the kids who learned to drum and sing. To learn a new language, to sing in a new language, and then to drum to the same tune. It's a lot. It was also a big day for the parents. This assembly marking the first big event they were welcomed back into the school for since the pandemic. For one, it was amazing to just be in the presence of people. And I think for myself, um, I have Indigenous ancestry that I'm not connected to. So for my kids to be able to come to school and experience this, um, I think it's life-changing for everyone, really. The journey of Indigenous learning continues in School District 57, put into perspective by the sheer number of drums. Compared to like three, four years ago, we had one, right? So just, and now we have like 40, over 40, right? So great. More important than all, perhaps, a chance for reconciliation. I think what I love the most about this project is is that it connects children. It connects children to our language. It connects them to our culture. It, It helps. Um, non-Indigenous children understand the beauty of Indigenous culture and Indigenous language. Caden Fanshawe, CKPG News.
fantastic. And speaking of children, before we go, we want to introduce you to another addition to the Global VC family. Anchor reporter Jordan Armstrong and his wife Elise, who used to work here, have had their first child. The couple welcomed their son Reed into the world just after 9.30 last night. Weighing in at 7 pounds and 8 ounces, and mom and dad and baby are all said to be doing great. Our congratulations go to Jordan, Elise, and baby Reed. As I said on Facebook, best news the two have ever delivered. Oh, Fantastic. That's so a good cute. name for an anchor, though, Reed. Yes. Reed Armstrong. Exactly. It yeah. does have a ring to it. It, yeah. it does indeed. Strong Congratulations <laughs> to everybody in your extended family, including here at Global. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Have a great night.